electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Stocks are sinking and the Nasdaq is tanking right now. Most important hour of trading starts right now. Welcome to Closing Bell, everyone. Another down day where the Nasdaq is down 2.5%. The Dow is down almost 600 points. Low of the session was about 657 points, but every Dow stock is lower right now, except for Chevron. Energy is the only standout, which is sector outperforming today. Here's where we stand overall. The small caps are down 2.2%. The NASDAQ 100 heat map really shows you that tech is in the eye of the storm today, with the broader NASDAQ composite now on pace for its worst month since October 2008. And as you can see, every name almost in the NASDAQ 100 is lower. The biggest drag, Tesla down about 10% or so. Let's see, yeah, 10%. It's also dragging some of the other EV makers like Lucid down, but you've got a pretty broad sell-off. The FANG names, Microsoft and Alphabet ahead of results, ahead of the results ahead of the, after the closing bell today. And also some other software names getting slammed as well. We're looking at Salesforce, big drag in the Dow, lowest level we've seen since 2020. Take a look at bond yields, the 10-year yield falling hard today. It's now below 2.8%. That's different than what we've seen lately with rising rates and higher yields pressuring technology today. Maybe more of a flavor of slowing growth where treasuries are getting bought and yields are coming down. We're going to be all over the sell-off throughout the final hour of trade with some great guests for you coming up. Interactive Brokers Chairman Thomas Petterfee will join us to look at how retail investors are handling all this volatility. And a top tech analyst on the mega cap names pulling back ahead of those earnings including Alphabet and Microsoft, as you can see there, down 1.5% and 2.3% they're reporting later. Let's get straight to the market sell-off. And the key question for investors, is it a buying opportunity or is there more pain to come? Joining us now, Phil Camparelli from J.P. Morgan Asset Management and Eric Johnston from Cantor Fitzgerald. Gentlemen, good to have you both. I know you're on opposite sides of this trade. Phil, I'll, I'll start with you. Harder to make the bull case, I think, on days like today, on yeah. weeks like this week, on months like this month, and on years like this, where the Nasdaq is now 22% off the highs. What's your case? Yeah, Sarah, good to see you. It's, it's great to be with you again. Um, we Listen, we fully acknowledge that this is a rate hiking or normalization cycle that not many investors have ever seen before, okay? There is 100% priced in now for 350 basis point hikes in a row and just under 250 for all of this year. What makes that especially jarring is that as recent as December, the Fed thought, oh, maybe we'll do 325 basis point hikes. I mean, you got to go all the way back to 1994 to get anything like this. Now, Sarah, really important. Why, why is that uh, clear or key is because in 1994, there were no FANG stocks. There was not even an internet, right? So I think that false sense of security of low rates, low inflation, and low growth, which helped since post-GFC and, and post-2008, is no longer there. So you got to recalibrate. However, there's an important piece, piece here. We've taken our stocks lower, but we are resisting the urge of taking them lower and to an underweight to our index for three very important reasons. The first is, listen, we're in the camp that we're right around peak inflation. And if we're right around peak inflation mm -hmm. and rates stop rising, that stops that, that could put some pressure stops putting pressure on internet stocks. The second thing is there's a cyclical trade still happening. We haven't reopened yet. 
Delta prevented us from reopening last year. Omicron prevented us from reopening over the holiday season. Airlines, hotels, uh, uh, yeah. diners, all those things we could see some upside for. And then the third piece, and this is really important. Listen, if you're buying into a balance fund now, and that's near and dear to my heart as an asset allocator, if you're buying into a balance fund, you're sitting at a 275 mm -hmm. tenure note and average, 25-year average on PEs. So if things get better, you're buying the stock market at a good price. And if That's things cheaper. capitulate from here, then mm -hmm. you're getting then you're getting the benefit of, of diversification from here, Sarah. So it's all in the price. The first time stocks and bonds have been down 10% at the same time uh, post-GFC. So this is a really good entry I point. Yeah, aside from the, the whole peak inflation, which which you have to have a view on that, mm -hmm. Eric, there, there there's a few good points that Phil raised, including that a lot of this is just getting priced in. The extreme hawkishness of the Federal Reserve, the fact that valuations have come down to reflect that, and, and the fact that everyone's so negative. Why do you remain so? So I think within the rates market, I think the Fed's hawkishness has gotten priced in, but I don't think at all it's gotten priced into the or not enough into the equity markets if you look at prior bear markets that we've that we've had and and you know this is not like anyone we've had uh in the past but if you look at the year you know 2000 people think of the bubble bursting in march of 2000 the s p was hitting new highs in 07 excuse me in september of 2000 and then during the 2007 crisis we had companies that had gone bankrupt by October of 07. Citibank was down 50%, yet the S&P was still at the highs. We, so things can be known, but not priced in. And we think we are in the process right now of pricing in this massive reversal that has gone on from a fiscal standpoint and from a monetary standpoint that is all just beginning Where do you see it uh, yet to, to be priced in? Na so, I mean, the Nasdaq's gotten hit hard. Sure. Do you think there's more pain there? Down 20% now for the year. I do. So perfect example is mega cap um, equities. So essentially FANG MT. Two weeks ago, we turned negative on this group. We reiterated it last night. We think there's a lot more downside for the mega cap tech names. Their multiples relative to where they've been historically and relative to their growth rate is just far too high. Um, number two is people have had this view that they are not levered to uh, not a not levered to the economy. And the economic slowdown is going to hurt. Mm -hmm. Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, et cetera. And then the third piece is that the individual investor is piled into these names. And one of our strong views is that the individual investor is just starting to sell equities. Their allocations are at the highs. They're just starting uh, to sell. And that the mega cap names are really going to suffer based on that. They're still 23% of the S&P. We think that's going to come down and be a drag on the overall, on the overall market. Phil, I'll let you take the other side. Final word. Yeah, so I, I, I think from a FANG stock perspective, it's important to have earnings. We, we felt that last last week with, with Netflix. However, if you go forward from here, you've got to be really selective with your securities. We haven't even mentioned value stocks, which we still like, which are still at a discount to growth, right? So it's not just do you own the equity market or not, but you've got to be selective within the equity market. And we think profitable tech with some value uh, makes a lot of sense here. And we didn't talk about it, but credit as well. If you don't have a view that the U.S. is going into recession over the next 12 months, things like corporate credit make a lot of sense to us to get a little higher quality than just taking a flyer on the equity market. I've seen, seen that credit risk rise lately. We'll watch it. Eric, really quickly, do you have something? Sure. I just, just wanted to say that, that, you know, sure, just very quickly, is that you have had a lot of stocks sell off, but I put out Lucid as an example. The stock is down, call it 50% from the highs. It still has a $30 billion valuation, 
and not many revenues to to speak of. So we are in a new environment where even though it's down 50 percent, as an example, still a 30 billion dollar valuation that looks far too high from my perspective. Lucid, one of the biggest losers today off the Tesla side. Eric, Phil, thank you both. We'll continue the debate, no doubt. We're going to have much more on this sharp sell-off. Throughout the show, we're down 600 again on the Dow. After the break, we'll talk to an analyst about the pain specifically in tech ahead of the big-name results that are coming after the bell from Microsoft and Alphabet. You're watching Closing Bell on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Stocks under heavy selling pressure in this final hour. NASDAQ now down about 3% and tracking for its worst month since October 2008. This comes as a number of big tech names report results after the bell today, including Alphabet and Microsoft and Texas Instruments. Let's get to Angela Zeno, CFRA tech research analyst, covers two out of the three. Angela, I wanted to start with Alphabet in particular, which is showing some weakness. You've got a strong buy and a $3,400 price target. We are a long way from there. What do you expect them to report today? Yeah, listen, I, thanks, Sarah. You know, overall, when I when I think of big tech here overall, I mean, listen, this isn't going to be kind of the beat and raise type quarters like we've seen in, in the last three years. We've got probably the, the, the most the most headwinds we've seen in years now, right? But the hope here is valuation has really discounted many of those challenges, um, whether it be, you know, consumer issues, whether it be supply constraints, uh, Russia, Ukraine, you know, the, a stronger dollar, I mean, tons of uncertainties out there. But at the end of the day, as far as um, Alphabet is concerned, I mean, it's all going to be about the search business. It's going to be about YouTube, and we think it's going to be about the cloud. And we're expecting fairly good results out of all three of them. Um, in terms of the search side of things, we're looking at 20% plus growth. Um, on the cloud side of things, I think that's going to be really important as long as we can see 35 to 40% growth on that side of things. I think, you know, I think overall the quarter holds up very well. But again, it's all going to come down now to, to Q2 guidance on the second half of the year. And as far as the downside potential, I think, to consensus estimates, I'd say maybe max about 3 to 5% to the downside. And given that, coupled with the valuation of about 17, 17 and a half times earnings to our 23 estimate, um, I just I feel like it's a bit overdone here. The problem, Angelo, is that all those those headwinds that you mentioned that have been hurting the stock and, and all of stocks, rising dollar, guess what? It's it's still strengthening and still making new highs going back to 2020. The, the war in Ukraine still happening. The weakness yep. in the economy starting to come. So my, my question is, what what 
sort of insulation does Alphabet's ad business have to these kind of cyclical and, and macro factors, which don't appear to be getting better? Because that's going to be the yeah. key, right, for guidance. Yeah, no, absolutely. And listen, I, I think as far as Alphabet is concerned, I mean, typically most marketers out there, um, the last thing they'll usually cut is kind of the search side of things. That's typically that typically holds up much better than other aspects of kind of the ad space. And I think maybe that's why, you know, Alphabet is kind of seen as a bellwether here relative to other ad-oriented or ad-driven type of companies out there. And that being said, I mean, there's clearly a lot more uh, tied to um, Alphabet here rather than just kind of the search side of things. Again, we do see good results mm -hmm. on the YouTube side of things as well as the, the cloud side of things. Decelerating growth, but nonetheless, I think the secular tailwinds there still remain intact despite some of the concerns that we kind of highlighted. If you like Alphabet as, as sort of a value play that it's been beaten down, what, what about Meta? You're on hold, but your price target is 294 and the stock is trading, I don't know, 182 or so. So do you consider yeah. it also a good deal? So listen, I think as far as, as Meta is concerned, to us, it's a bit of a value trap. I mean, we're not as bullish on that side of things. Our concern definitely here is more on the, the, the user side of things, whether or not that can continue to grow. I mean, currently the street looking at about 2 to 3% growth here for Q1 and Q2. Um, I don't know if you're there. I think the bigger concern here is do we potentially see negative numbers, um, especially as we kind of go into Q2 on a year-over-year -year basis. If we do, I think all of a sudden the, the meta story looks very similar in many respects to what we're seeing out of the Netflix story, whereas you kind of have significantly higher OPEX numbers, significantly higher CapEx spend, you know, amid a, a period where that, those ad dollars aren't kind of um, offsetting kind of the, the growth trajectory that, or the investments that they're looking to make. You also cover Apple, which has been a little bit more resilient, and it reports on Thursday. What do, you, what do you expect there, given especially some of the new concerns this week about China and expanding lockdowns? So, you know, as far as the, the March quarter is concerned, we do expect them to be overall. I mean, you know, as far as the iPhone side of things, I mean, you look at smartphones on a year over year basis, probably dropped about 10 percent year over year, more pronounced on the China side of things. So it would be interesting to kind of see what they have to say about China. But at the end of the day, the market share gains has really been phenomenal for Apple. You're talking, talking about 15% market share a year ago, about 18% here in Q1 of this year. So, you know, overall, the market share gains, we think, offset some of the declines in the broader market. But I, I think as far as Apple is concerned, the key is going to be services. We do see about 17% growth on the services side of things. And that's really the crux of the growth story for Apple. So as long as that holds up, we like the story. And then on the capital allocation strategy, we're looking for $100 billion in a 7% dividend hike. So, you know, probably another thing that investors are hanging their hat on right now. It's Apple's now down about 11.5%. Angela Zeno, thank you for helping us pregame some of those earnings. By the way, we've taken a little bit of a leg lower, and the Dow is now down more than 700 points. We are making new session lows as we speak, down 712. UNH, United Healthcare, is the biggest drag, along with Boeing ahead of earnings tomorrow, and Microsoft ahead of earnings after the bell. Goldman Sachs, Visa, you've got weakness all across the board. Chevron just going lower, which means 30 out of 30 Dow stocks are down. 2.4% decline on the S&P. Every sector is red. Consumer discretionary, hardest hit, energy staying positive. Speaking of the consumer, Lululemon and Chipotle are both lower today along with the broader market. Their long-term charts look remarkably similar. Mike Santoli, of course, here to tell us what the correlation means in his dashboard. And as we head out, check out some of today's top search tickers on CNBC.com. Tenure yield getting the most interest and 
The yields are actually falling for a change today, followed by Tesla, which is falling hard down 11.3%. The Nasdaq, Twitter, which is also falling a little farther below that takeout price of 54.20 and the S&P 500. We'll be right back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back. Dow down 700 points right now. We are at new lows. There's the S&P 500 sector heat map. The S&P down almost 2.5%, 2.4% or so. Every sector is lower except for energy. Look at consumer discretionary. It's getting slammed today, down 4.3%, harder than everybody else. Tesla is a big part of that story, which is down 11% or so. Carnival Cruise also sinking. News that Arnold Donald, longtime CEO, is stepping down. But you've also got weakness in discretionary names like Under Armour and Nike as well. And we'll stick with that theme because Chipotle shares are falling ahead of Q1 results after the bell. Mike Santoli here with a look at the stock's performance against another millennial favorite for his dashboard today. Mike? Yes, Sarah. Well, you know I'm not one to stereotype millennials, but uh, I would say Lululemon, along with Chipotle, did uh, come to prominence along with uh, the millennial generation. And for the last two years, the stocks have been almost in lockstep right here. Why is that? Well, they both trade around 40 times earnings. They peaked around 70 times earnings. I would argue they both essentially created their segment of retail. They dominate it, and yet there's still a lot of runway for additional uh, store expansion. So it's this unique uh, kind of combination of they already dominate the space and there's a long runway, at least theoretically. However, the premiums are coming out of all the great growth stories, and that's happening right here, too. Chipotle going to report after the market. Uh, they're still, you know, holding above uh, the lows of the last couple of years, uh, and both of them are down about 25, 26 percent from their highs, uh, but they are probably better positioned than a lot of other purely consumer cyclical companies that are out there, Sarah. It's really interesting, and, and I, I, I First of all, it's amazing how correlated they actually yeah. are. I'm not sure that burritos and yoga wear necessarily go together. But, Mike, there's a difference between these are sort of quality growth stories yes. and then the unprofitable tech stories. A lot of those names in the ARK Innovation ETF, which is down more than 5% today. So it's important to draw Entirely a distinction different. there. Yeah. It's not just all of growth getting totally thrown out. Oh, no. These are these are kind of, you know, quality brands. People think there's a long-term uh, still growth story in there. It's not about catching lightning in the bottle. But still, it is about what you're willing to pay up front for, uh, for riding that growth. Mike, just overall markets, just another deterioration here as, as we go into the, the bell. Not really a catalyst, especially for tech names. And you can't blame rising Treasury yields. No. To your point, it's not always exactly correlated because they're falling today. So what's happening with growth? Yeah, I mean, I think people are essentially trying to step out of the way of any further bombshells like you've gotten the Nasdaq from Netflix from last quarter from Facebook. Uh, and just it's very 
uh, unencouraging trends, discouraging trends in a lot of the bellwether stocks. I wish there were a new story behind it. I mean, the dollar's flying. There are global growth concerns. There are new layers to the issues right here, but it's more a matter of investors looking in every direction and not really seeing daylight. We were down at these levels in the S&P in the third week of January, in the third week of February, uh, also part of March. Uh, I'm not saying it's, it's all the same where we're going to bounce off these levels, but it's been the same wear and tear on the market. Uh, we keep revisiting this ground. I will say we just broke below 4,200 on the yeah. S&P, and that has been a key support level. So we'll keep an eye on it, see if we close down there. Mike, yeah, we've been you. below it, but yes. Absolutely. We've been below, yeah. but, we're, but we're nearing March lows, aren't we? Uh, 41.70 to closing low. 41.70. All right. So we're above it. Yep. 41.93. Mike, thank you. We'll see you in the market zone. Sea of red, as I mentioned in the markets today, NASDAQ taking the brunt of the pain. It's down about 3% more than that, 3.4%. Joining us, Interactive Brokerage, Brokers Chairman Thomas Petterfee. Thomas, great to have you back on the show. How, how are your clients? How's the retail investor dealing with all this volatility in days like today? Well, uh, so it's interesting. Uh, in the last several months, Interactive Brokers customers uh, have turned cautious and at the end of the quarter cash reserves have increased to all-time highs, margin loans have decreased and short positions went to all-time highs again. So since that time in this month that has been moderating a little bit. In other words, uh, people are beginning to nibble at the market. But uh, I, I think there are lots of reasons to sell. Uh, first of all, geopolitically, the war in the Ukraine can drag on, pushing Russia more and more towards China. I do not think that Putin can tolerate defeat uh, if he is de denied some face-saving concessions. Uh, in, uh, he will have to resort to tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, China moving to incorporate Taiwan would be another unpleasant surprise. I know you've been warning about that. Also, social mores in the West are in turmoil. Advocates of collectivist ideas, including socialism, are on their eyes. Some corporate managers appear to be confused about uh, the, the proper role, their proper role concerning various social issues. If they lose their focus from production, product innovation and efficiency, that is a problem. Inflation is raging, raging all over the world. Interest rates must mm -hmm. rise. That will deliver a shock to many businesses. Uh, and uh, the, the fallout no, it's a, will... No, it's a laundry list. Now we go to the other side. The other side of the coin is that what are you going to do with your money? In an inflationary environment, you can just keep it in the bank, right? So I think that, that after some more uh, down market, it is going to turn around and people will start to realize that they have to own stock. Right? I, I'm, I'm interested in what you said about your, your clients, how they, they have been bearish, as you said, and they've, they've increased cash reserves, and they're starting to put it back to work. I'm wondering, Thomas, specifically within technology, where we've seen so much pain. Now the Nasdaq's down about 20% this year. How... how how much has that shifted the allocations toward technology? It was such a beloved sector during COVID and, and before. Yes, but uh, I, I think that buying is more not toward, oriented towards low PE stocks, like the old fashioned auto stocks and, and industrials, right? Basically. That's where the buying has been lately? Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. 
What about energy? How, how, how much exposure do energy clients also, have? Because that's been an outperformer. Is there more to go there, do you think, in terms of positioning and, and portfolio managers loading up on those names? Obviously, it, it depends on how to what extent the U.S. will relax uh, prohibition against drilling and, and these issues. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we, I, I say to traders that they should uh, hold on to shorts or should sell, but investors should hold the longs and prepare to add to long positions uh, because, you know, they are not as nimble as traders. So I think eventually the market, you know, maybe we have another 10 to 15 percent to go down, but then hmm. it will turn. What about the decline we're seeing, and it's sharp in names like GameStop and AMC? Is that still a good proxy for, for retail and the kind of pain that we've seen as a result of the hype? Uh, yeah, well, game is still at $130, and it's worth nothing. So <laughs> I, think, I think that we have to see that that, that stock to go to zero. Yes. To zero. But what would that do? How, how many of your clients are holding GameStop still? Oh no, my clients are the Robin Hood crowd on the long side in game. Really? And your yes. own stock. And I wanted to mention your own stock, which has also been hurt. You know, I think of interactive brokers as a beneficiary of higher interest rates, even maybe more yes, so than some of the big banks. Yeah, th that's true. But on the other hand, you know, our investors' assets are falling along with the market, right? So, you know, the less assets we have, the, the, the less activity we'll have in the future. Right now, activity is very high. But in the future, if the market settles out, say, further down by 10, 15 percent, we will not have that much activity in the future. So what that, about options activity? That, that was a bright spot for you and, and some of the other retail brokers. Is that holding up given some yes, of the moves option, we've seen? Up. Options activities is, is very good, especially vertical spreads. Uh, in, in a down market like this, people often will say on an Apple, say that's right now at, at, uh, at 157 or something. So you would, you would sell a 160 call, you would, you would sell a 160 call and buy a 175 or a 180 to protect yourself, right? So, so that, that kind of uh, those kinds of spreads uh, are pe people are trading, and 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 uh, you know when they catch the market, this dumb market, you know they they make a lot of money on this. Yes. So overall, Thomas, the the participation of retail investors right now is what bullish or bearish for the market? Oh, for the market, uh, no. I mean, yeah. They, they, they just most, most of my, most of interactive brokers' customers are still slightly on the bearish side, but they are starting to cover. Got it, Thomas Petterfee. Valuable insight. Thank you very much for sharing. We appreciate it. Thank you very much.
Let's go a little deeper now into some of the hard hit parts of tech with the Nasdaq near session lows down almost three and a half percent. Steve Kovac is here with a look at the mega caps. Julia Borston covering the social and streaming stocks. And Frank Holland is watching the cloud stocks. Steve, start us off with the big cap names. What are you watching? Yeah, that's right, sir. Big tech under pressure this afternoon, just ahead of earnings week for the sector. Two big ones reporting today. Microsoft and Alphabet are both off nearly three percent ahead of their earnings reports in just a few minutes. And Apple is down more than two and a half percent. But it's also the best performer in big tech so far this year, down about 10 percent year to date. And Apple is reporting Thursday along with Amazon, which is the worst performer of the group today. And last year's big tech laggard down more than 3 percent. Sarah. Steve, thank you. Let's go to social and streaming stocks. Also having a pretty rough session. Julia Borson with more of those names, Julia, including Twitter, which is selling off. That's right. And social stocks are plummeting pretty much across the board on the heels of Twitter's sale to Elon Musk and ahead of Meta's earnings, which are tomorrow afternoon. Now, Meta shares are down about uh, 3%. We see Twitter and Snap both down more than 3%. Pinterest shares also down about 3%. Now, those stocks are hurting on concerns about a pullback in ad spending. Meanwhile, the streamers are also suffering after Netflix's disappointing report and on the heels of Warner Brothers Discovery warning that his 2022 profit would be lower than anticipated. That stock is now down over 7%. Uh, Paramount Global is also down over 5%. And then Roku down the most of the bunch, down about 8.5%. Meanwhile, we're also seeing Netflix continuous to decline, down nearly 5%, and Disney off 3%. Sarah? Question, Julia. Now that, now that you've been talking to a lot of the analysts and, and investors, how, how do you think the Twitter takeover is likely to color or manifest in some of these big tech earnings that we're about to see, especially from advertiser competitors like a Meta or an Alphabet? Well, look, we already got a hint from Snap that the macro environment is not great. Snap really laid out how it's seen a decline in its growth rate from 44 percent at the beginning of the quarter down um, at the beginning of the first quarter down to about 30 percent now. And this is Snap that has really managed a lot of these issues better than, say, uh, especially when it comes to the ad targeting issues, better than, say, Meta had in the past couple of quarters. So we already got some red flags there. Analysts, a number of analysts are saying that they see Twitter's move to make this deal before earnings as another red flag of more macroeconomic challenges, whether it's inflation or supply chain constraints, pushing advertisers to pull back. And we'll have to see how that that shows up in Meta's earnings tomorrow. Another headache for Elon Musk when he takes the company as well, an advertising slowdown. Julia, thanks. The WCLD cloud ETF down more than 4%. Frank Holland with a look now at the cloud names getting hardest hit again, Frank. Well, Sarah, that cloud ETF actually on pace for its worst month ever uh, among the names hardest hit Cloudflare. Fastly, MongoDB and AppLove and all down about 6%. Interest rate pressure continues to weigh on these high growth tech names. Asana also down about 5%. Analysts say there's also persistent questions about how they'll compete for the roughly 25% of the cloud market left after you account for Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. Legacy players in cloud also caught up in this sell-off. Salesforce and Adobe, both down right around 2%. Also, both just about 2% higher than their 52-week lows. But it's really widespread. More specialty cloud names like DigitalOcean and Twilio also falling today. Back over to you. 
Yeah, been a rough year for that group. Frank, thank you. Frank Collin, let's get back to the broader market now. We're near session lows. We're down more than 700 points on the Dow, 739. Ironside's macroeconomics director of research, Barry Knapp, joins us now on the CNBC Newsline. Barry, another, another day like today, but you can't this time blame Fed speakers. They're in quiet period. Or rising rates because Treasury yields are actually lower today. Nobody wants to get, as Mike said, in front of something like we saw from a Netflix in terms of a disappointment on earnings. What, what do you think happens here with, with the big fang names about to dictate the direction of the markets? Well, I, I think that um, they still don't, even the, the biggest, highest quality names like Microsoft that's reporting after the close, still don't really represent growth at a reasonable price. Um, you know, we've had such things, don't blame the Fed, and I'm going to kind of blame the Fed a little, Sarah, but, um, you know, that, that obviously we've had such a hawkish pivot here. I've heard from investors time after time, well, the Fed is going to tighten until something breaks. Well, you and I have been watching some of the same things break. The dollar-yen has broken. Euro has broken. The RMB, which was hanging in so well for so long, has completely fallen out of bed over the last week or so. So there's been, you know, there's lots of cracks as a consequence of the Fed tightening policy, and it was always going to be difficult for the markets going into that May of fourth uh, FOMC when they they increase the pace from 25 to 50 basis point hikes. They start balance sheet contraction, and so I would trace all of what we're seeing today back to that. But I also think that that's likely to coincide with a, a low in equities, like we've seen in in the rates market. I just want to bring it back to earnings, though, Barry, because that's the story of today and of this week. And I know I know the Fed is in the background here, but even even the losers today, I'm looking at GE, which is down sharply now double digits on the back of a warning. It's, it's not like these companies are talking anything recessionary, even 3M, which is also getting beaten up hard today. We're in terrible results, and they're also still seeing growth. They're still seeing some pricing power dealing with all these difficult things like supply chain risks and, and global economic Weakness. So, so is it is it jarring to see a market that's starting to price in a more severe slowdown when when what we're getting from corporate America is still growth, still pretty solid balance sheets. They're still investing. What do you think? So I, I think that the pandemic was two things, one of which is widely recognized. The other uh, is reflected in the comments you've just made around earnings, places like Triple M, where they actually showed margin expansion, not contraction. Uh, right. It was a inflationary shock, but it was also a positive productivity shock. So, you know, I, I've had this discussion a lot with investors where they pointed out the divergence between the consumer discretionary sector and staples, for example, and they will describe that as late cycle activity. That's true, but it's also activity that's characteristic of when we're going through these Fed policy normalization related corrections, like in 1994. 2004, 2010, 11, and 16, you get these periods when the Fed, we move towards the Fed normalizing policy, and you have these very highly correlated sell-offs, and the cyclical stocks get hit, and people try and fit a narrative and say, oh, the Fed's going to drive us off the cliff. I'm not seeing that in the data. I'm not seeing it in the corporate results. We do have a lot of sectors that were wildly overvalued. You guys just walked through it with all your reporters um, yeah. That stuff still needs to come down, but the cyclical stuff looks cheap, and I expect that um, as we get through May 4th and things start to settle down, that's what will lead us out of this as well. Tech, to me, still needs another quarter or two of what are likely to be good results, 
but they still, again, they still don't represent growth at a reasonable price. So what cyclical stuff, as you say, looks cheap? Financials are down two and a quarter percent today. They've had a, a pretty tough run this week, down eight percent. Is that is that a part of the market? Industrials, where we heard from a number of companies this morning on earnings, retail. What, what do you like? Yep. Financials, industrials, materials and energy. I loved Morgan's interview with the Freeport McLaurin CEO last Friday. Um, you know, they, I do think all of those sectors are, are really cheap, but we're going through one of those liquidation stages where, um, you know, you just you sell everything. But listen, today is really about uh, backing tech down. It may be set up for a little bit of a bounce around earnings, but again, I, I still can't see my way clear to going overweight that sector because, as I keep saying, it's it's still not growth at a reasonable price yet. Sure, but you and, have to believe, to, to believe in the cyclicals that we're not going into recession. And then there's definitely a debate on that right correct. now, Barry. You're nope, not in that no camp. Court, no, I am definitely not in that camp. I don't see any evidence of that. I, I would argue that the Fed tightening of policy is going to be a big problem for Asia. It's something of a problem for Europe. Remember, the dollar's become something of a petrocurrency, Sarah. So whereas Japan used to always think they could devalue their way uh, out of their troubles and try and drive their export channels, they have outsourced a lot of their manufacturing activity. They're big importers of energy. The dollar trades differently with respect to oil than it used to. So this is clearly a problem for Asia. This is a problem for Germany. It's not such a problem for domestic U.S. the domestic U.S. economy. If there's one area that really is worth watching, it's the housing sector. Um, that is an area that could, you know, we have to watch closely. Slammed. But so far today, mm-hmm. right, the re- the results today weren't too bad, right? Sherwin Williams. No, Dr. Sherwin Williams is up. Dr. Horton actually wasn't bad. They raised the revenue guidance. Barry, we've got to go. Thank you for joining us. Barry Knapp from Ironsides. We've got about less than 20 minutes to go. Dow's down 700 points. We're getting some breaking news on Lael Brainerd's confirmation at the Fed. Elon Moy with the details. Elon. Well, Sarah, the Senate has now confirmed Lael Brainerd as vice chair of the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors. She did pass with bipartisan support. The final vote tally was 52 to 43. Now, the Senate had also hoped to move forward with Lisa Cook's nomination to the Board of Governors as well today, as well as possibly later on this week, Philip Jefferson to the board, as well as, of course, reconfirming Jay Powell as Fed chairman. But now that two Democratic senators have COVID, along with Vice President Kamala Harris, that is upending the Democrats' narrow majority in the Senate and throwing the timeline for those additional nominees to be confirmed into flux. But at least for now, Lael Brainerd has been confirmed by a margin, 52 to 43, as vice chair of the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors. Sarah. Elon Moy, thank you for the update on Brainerd. We are now going straight into the closing bell market zone with this big sell-off. CNBC senior markets commentator Mike Santoli. Here to break down these crucial moments of the trading day, plus Roth Capital's Craig Irwin on Tesla. Shares are tanking today. Piper Sandler's Harsh Kumar on the big sell-off in semi-stocks. First, though, we'll start broad markets because stocks are selling off into the close. We're now at session lows. We took a dip lower in this final hour. And, Mike, it's pretty broad. Every Dow stock is lower. Every S&P sector is lower except for energy. Treasury yields are lower. The dollar is stronger. Oil is stronger. How do you make sense of all these cross-currents as it relates to today, given we've already been through so many tough days like this recently. 
Yeah, there's a lot of sensitivity to uh, just this pothole risk uh, from a lot of the big earnings reports. Now, it doesn't mean the market's going to be correct and the reports are going to be bad. Maybe we're pricing in uh, some expected downside to the likes of, uh, of Alphabet, which has lost $300 billion in market cap this month. Uh, so I think you have to kind of see both sides. Uh, we are revisiting and spending a lot of time at the low end of this index range. Uh, market as a whole is really not super oversold. Each week we seem to get a 1%, you know, one-day rally, and it keeps the market from really getting stretched to the downside. But uh, I think that's where we're set up. And it's a, it's, a, it's a growth scare combined with all the other things we were dealing with, which is, you know, that mega cap uh, kind of draining away of the excitement and valuation premium from those stocks. Well, it's a stagflation scare because it's slower growth, yeah. higher inflation, problems that the Fed is going to have dealing with it in terms of rising rates. And now there's concern, Mike, that the, the defensive parts of the market that had been working really well, utilities, staples, healthcare, real estate, are, are getting too expensive. And I go yeah. back to Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley's note this week that now the S&P could enter a bear market because those places have been stretched and, and everything gets dragged down. Right. If, if basically if they are deemed to be, you know, too high a price to pay for defensiveness right now and people start selling out of them and it doesn't really go somewhere else. Sure. Um, I mean, I think it's almost semantics at this point, but I'll say the equal weighted S&P 500 isn't even down 10 percent from its high. So we're still with all the issues we're dealing with, with most stocks being way down, uh, you're still not seeing it mostly be about, you know, the average stock getting smoked. Uh, it's been magnified by what's happening with the largest ones. Uh, it's not for, it's not kind of trying to uh, make excuses for the market, but it's just the fact. The math says it's mostly about money coming out of the trillion dollar club. And on the earnings question, Mike, I'm looking at 3M. It's lower. GE, sharply lower. DR Horton, which Barry, Barry mentioned. I mean, none of this was, was bad news. I, I watched the Larry Culp interview with Kramer this morning. It wasn't like, you know, things are all, all falling apart. Um, aviation is a bright spot there. So, so what is the message from corporate America? And does it matter in this environment where the market is just ahead of them in terms of pricing in some sort of slowdown? It ultimately will matter if, in fact, the story is intact. And it's like, I mean, the GE, to me, it seems like it keeps getting pushed into the future when they're really going to start to click and when earnings power is really going to show up again. Uh, with other industrials, I think it's about, look, we're, we're sort of preoccupied with China shutdown, dollar surging, all these things that seem like it's a complicated moment to start to bet that, uh, you know, that they're about to get it together and the stocks are cheap enough right now. So I think that's why it's complicated. It's a high friction environment. Nobody's very uh, nobody has high conviction uh, about which way it goes. How about Tesla, Mike, down 11 yep. percent today, Re really collapsing. It's the worst performer in the Nasdaq 100 after CEO Elon Musk officially announced he would acquire Twitter for forty four billion dollars, fueling some speculation that Musk may have to sell Twitter shares to fund part of his Twitter bid. I think there's also the risk, right, of Musk taking over Twitter and what that's going to look like and, and whether Tesla may be collateral damage in some way. Right. Uh, to me, it is a little more immediately about the prospect for this overhang of selling uh, by Musk. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to see if he doesn't name and, and draw some outside equity investors, which to this point have not emerged alongside of him, how he makes his 
$21 billion contribution to buy Twitter without selling uh, a fair amount of, of, uh, of Tesla shares in addition to what he's already using as collateral for the, for the margin loan. So I think that's the overhang right now. It's very important to the way the overall NASDAQ trades on a short-term basis, not over the long term. There is a lot of hot money that flushes in and out of that name and, uh, and kind of you know, bumps up against a lot of other stocks along the way. Well, at consumer discretionary, as a start, it's the yeah. worst performing sector because of Tesla down almost three, uh, no, more than that, 4.7% four, 4. percent. Yes, right by now. far the largest. But what, what uh, about except that? For Amazon. Amazon. You know, yeah. Julia flagged that, that Snap warned that, that advertising might be starting to, to slow down. If we do get a sharper contraction in the economy and advertising, with Twitter as a private company under Elon Musk, then did Tesla shares get punished? As a result. I mean, no, that shouldn't necessarily have uh, any effect on, on Tesla's shares. What does have an effect on Tesla's shares, I mean, if his side business starts to fail, it shouldn't necessarily matter to Tesla unless he gets a margin call. Uh, which happens because Tesla shares go down. Uh, to me, it's more about there's obviously always been an Elon Musk premium that right. accounts for a tremendous amount of Tesla's market cap, and that gets revalued in real time here, depending on what else is going on. Well, yes, down 11.3 percent, being being revalued right now, down 28 percent from the highs. Mike, also want to hit the chip stocks, which are dragging on the overall tech sector. AMD, NVIDIA, and AMAT among some of the biggest decliners. We've got Texas Instruments after the bell. Mike, it is, it's just cyclical concerns here, right? Have the fundamentals of, the, of these businesses changed? Uh, they've changed at the margins, obviously, for NVIDIA. People are, are concerned about some pricing issues. Uh, it does seem as if some of the... Uh, some of the momentum has come out of the fundamental story. Clearly, people are very uh, defensive about what's, what it means that China is, is shutting things down. And honestly, a lot of them were, were story-driven. I mean, AMD trades pretty horribly and also doesn't look particularly expensive anymore. I mean, it used to uh, pretty chronically. And, and so I do think it's about broken charts. Uh, you know, the reversal of these multi-year winners, people just feeling like, the, you know, the money's been made. Uh, and then, you know, a little bit of an overlay of fundamental concerns. But that's the way it always looks, you know, when people uh, find some reason for relief. I, I wouldn't want to, you know, foreclose on the idea that over the course of the earnings season, people might see the, the weight of the evidence and say, OK, maybe we prematurely got too um, too uh, scared about recession on the way. Down more than 20 percent for the year on, on, on some of these names, 26 percent for the for the subsector. How, how did the semi sell off compared to, say, software sell off and some of the other parts of tech that have also been being down? It feels like it's all just gotten dragged in lower. Yeah, I mean, software led the way lower, uh, much deeper pullback. It was a lot more, you know, the cloud stocks really did get a lot more expensive as a group than semis ever did. For semis, it's much more about kind of giving way. And, and they've had this floor in the chart over the last about a little over a year or so that seems to have cracked right now. So, again, I, I don't want to make it all about, you know, the technical mechanical stuff. But it's one less reason to buy a dip when it seems like a chart is impaired. And I think that's what we're dealing with some of these stocks. Take a look at GE, which I mentioned before. It is one of the worst performing stocks in the S&P. The industrial beating on the top and bottom lines, reaffirming its full year profit outlook. But in the release, CEO Larry Culp warned inflation and supply chain issues will result in earnings falling. He said toward the low end of that guidance range. Seema Modi joins us now. Steven, Seema, Steve Tusa, the analyst at J.P. Morgan. Neutral rating, yep. $55 price target. Everybody watches him on GE. RBC has a buy rating and a $118 price target. 
Why is the street so divided on this stock? Well, Sarah, this, this just speaks to how diversified General Electric is. And there's really something for the bulls and bears in this report, right? RBC Capital pointing out that GE has outperformed the broader sector by 240 basis points in the past three weeks. So they're not really surprised by today's market reaction. Citigroup says Larry Culp's plan is actually largely intact, pointing to the strength in aviation, which, by the way, was impressive. Orders up 31 percent as travel demand returns. But to your point, Steve Tusa has been a longtime critic, and he's doubling down on his price target, 55 bucks. That's the lowest on the street, pointing to the challenges with renewable energy. As to who wins this debate, it may really rest on the two big unknowns. First, how the China lockdown story unfolds and the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. What we do know is that splitting this company into three will make it much easier to fully understand the story that we're seeing out of power, renewable, healthcare, and aviation, Sarah. Well, what, what I was wondering is how, if it's GE, if there's anything here that's GE specific or... This is a, a broader macro tell with with everything that they're dealing with, supply chain and economic weakness as the main factors, because it's also a, a stock in the, in the middle of a turnaround story, right? Absolutely. The macro factors affect GE in many ways, but the renewable challenges it's facing, you could say, are company specific. Uh, the competition it's facing from Siemens Energy on the wind turbine front, Ventas Energy is another company there. So that competitive landscape adds to a market in here in the U.S., which is already meaningful, soft, meaningfully soft, especially at a time where it's not getting the subsidies that it needs to make its products more competitive. Seema Modi, Seema, thank you. Mike, you know, GE makes everything from MRI machines to, to wind turbines to, to jet engines. It is also a read for, for broader industrial part of the economy and, and potentially a leading indicator, though interesting, they did not change their guidance. He just yeah. sort of warned around it. That's right. Um, and, and no doubt, I mean, there's certain macro, uh, a macro tell in there somewhere, mostly, you know, kind of in the industrial business to business area. I think one thing to maybe kind of reality check a lot of the, the top line guidance out there is when, you know, a company like GE more or less affirms what high single digit revenue growth. Um, I mean, that's what CPI is at right now, right? So, I mean, nominal GDP is growing, you know, in that range. So even though it's better than in years past, it's not something in itself for investors to get marginally excited about relative to where we were yesterday. Long list of 52-week lows right now. Just want to show you some of them. Verizon trading at lows we haven't seen since March 2020. Disappointing quarter last week. Domino's Pizza, Starbucks, BlackRock, all trading at lows going back to 2020. So, so really giving back a lot of those pandemic wins when the stock market did so well. BlackRock, lowest since November 2020. And J.P. Morgan also making a new low since December of 2020. NASDAQ is on track for its worst monthly performance since October 2008. Let's bring in Scott Wren, senior global market strategist at Wells Fargo Investment Institute, joins us on the phone. And Scott, I feel like you've been one of the few that have actually been embracing technology this year. Everybody hates it. It continues to be in the eye of the storm. Are, are you still a buyer? Well, I tell you, Sarah, we do. Uh, we still do favor technology. Now, a lot of this, uh, we think there's going to be good earnings growth in technology. Uh, it's not as cyclical for the most part. The parts of it that we like are things that deal with automation and, and efficiency. So we continue to be overweight technology here. We don't think uh, interest rates are going to go much higher, let's say, for instance, the 10-year yield than where we are right now. And we think this is an adjustment period. Obviously, there's been uh, some churn here, and technology has been hit. Uh, but we expect it as we move through the year uh, to regain some footing here and, and do better, uh, uh, certainly in the second half of the year, if not sooner than that. 
So you think I think you have to feel that inflation has peaked and that we've sort of priced in max hawkishness from the Fed to have that view, right? Yeah, and I think, Sarah, you know, right now, if, if you think about what's been worrying the market lately, I mean, this China and the supply chain and slowing growth and, um, you know, what that's going to do to inflation, which, you know, the Fed could, could make a mistake here. Those are the kind of concerns that's really taken the air out of the market lately. I would, I would argue the market was hanging in uh, pretty well until this uh, China shutdown situation, lockdown situation, uh, really started to accelerate because earnings are coming in overall slightly better than expected slow growth in earnings, but that's what the market expected. So, uh, you know, maybe you're up toward uh, 7 8% uh, growth in the first quarter. That's a couple of percent better than expected. So I don't think it's earnings. I think it's the bigger concepts, supply chain, inflation lasting longer, Fed making a mistake, those kinds of things that are, that are really, uh, really creating some headwinds for the market here. Just, just want to zero in on the action right now into the close. It's getting worse, down 3.7% on the NASDAQ composite right now. The S&P is now down over 2.5%. And there is the Dow Jones Industrial Average losing 700 and almost 40 points into the close here. Scott, just be, be specific. So what, what parts of tech would you buy here? And does any of it have to do with valuation at this point? As we head into heavy earnings, today we're going to get Alphabet and Microsoft Tomorrow, Meta, and yeah, then Amazon yeah. and Apple. Yeah, you, Sarah, you need to focus on the companies that own their niche, that are that are that are that are growing their revenues. And as I said, if they are involved in increasing automation for companies, if they're involved in increasing um, efficiencies for these companies, those are the ones that we want to focus on. Now, that could be an equipment company, it could be a software company. It just depends. It's a company uh, by company type of basis. But I think our message to to our clients is that yes, interest rates are higher here. They've made a big move. Um, but if you look back at the last six or seven hiking cycles, on average, what sector what sector has done the best through those hiking cycles? technology. So I don't think it's a, a right to count technology out here. Obviously taking it on the chin here but they had such recently, a strong but we think it's going to be better. They did. I mean, they did. I mean we just talked to, to Barry Knopp. He said there's, there's so much more to go. It's hard to make even a valuation case at these levels when you've got an economy that is slowing and interest rates that, that are rising. Even if you see a peak, there still could be more downside. There, there still could be. And, sir, if you look at it, calendar year 19, 20, 21, the S&P 500 was up more than 92 percent. You know, technology did better than that. So, you know, there has to be some give back here at some point. And is this the beginning or do we still have a lot more downside? We don't think we do. And this is where we want people to, you know, we want them to be putting their toe in the water here uh, incrementally if they have cash on the sidelines that they want to dedicate to stocks. I think there's also some some fears around tech and changing trends, Scott. The, the pandemic is we're in a very different place right now. Netflix subscriber loss, I think, was, was sort of one of those moments where it, it people made people wonder how much behaviors are changing and how much some of these seemingly structural growth trends are peaking. And that's companies a need to own, company, companies need to own their niche and, uh, and and they need to not have a lot of competition as as these streamers there's a lot of competition so uh, once again yeah, you got to take it on a sector by sector basis so understood well Scott Wren, we we appreciate you joining us Wells Fargo Investment Institute with stocks at session lows down 770 
on the Dow right now. Two minutes to go in the trading day. Mike, what do you see in the internals? Oh, it's pretty lopsided, as you would imagine, to the downside, Sarah. So really not a lot of refuge, not quite 90 percent of all the New York Stock Exchange volume to the downside. Some people look at that as a threshold of a real washout, but it's it's pretty close. Uh, as you can see, it's more like uh, seven to seven to one uh, declining to advancing volume. Wanted to take a look. You've been mentioning Treasury yields have been backing off. The two year note yield uh, is now down off of its highs close to a quarter point. Uh, or actually a little more than that from the highs uh, several days ago. And that's that equates to roughly one quarter point Fed uh, rate increase anticipated over the next two years. It's not quite uh, that specific, but that tells you a little bit that it's come off the boil, though still kind of holding near those prior highs around two and a half percent. The volatility index obviously got some uh, upside here. We're above yesterday's highs, which are around 31. So into 32, you saw there back in March, uh, we were well above uh, 35 before we peaked. You always have to see that fever break by peaking and starting to pull back, uh, Sarah. Absolutely. Mike, thank you. We've got under a minute to go. Take a look at the NASDAQ. That's where the selling is happening. 3.75% lower on the NASDAQ 100. NASDAQ's actually having its worst day since September 2020. There's the Dow. It's sinking into the close, down 780. There's the NASDAQ, down 3.9%. Every Dow stock is lower right now. As far as the NASDAQ, Tesla is down now more than 12%. Lucid Motors right down with it, down 9% or so. But you've got weakness in all the mega caps. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, Google, Facebook. All lower ahead of truth time. We've got earnings coming up from Alphabet and Microsoft in moments. Consumer discretionary is the worst part of the market. That is going to do it for me here on Closing Bell. Dow going out with a decline of more than 800 points. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.